This was previously recorded for our Extra Innings Baseball show. I wanted to put this up on our feed here for word from the warehouse as well since this is an Oriole-specific interview. So just kick back and listen to our interview with Bob Phelan from BSL On The Verge. Welcome to the Extra Innings Baseball Show. I'm your host, Logan Stump, and with me today is Mr. Oriole himself. I think we're just going to coin that term so I can get you a shirt, get you a statue. <laughs> but I've got Jordan Wiegan with me. Mr. Oriole, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I, you know, living the dream. I'm dreaming that I'm alive, I guess. I don't know whatever <laughs> way you want to put it. Um, I don't know. Jordan, what exciting stuff do we have planned today? Because I know we've got a, a rundown, uh, an interview that you have done by yourself. Yeah. So you just kind of broke off and did something by yourself because you didn't want me involved. But it was the other way around. <laughs> I offered Logan a He said, I have to go to the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jordan, what are we, uh, we going to be looking at today uh, in the interview? And who did you talk to? Yeah, I talked to Bob Phelan. He, uh, work, uh, he uh, does a podcast for... Uh, focused on the Orioles minor league for Baltimore sports and life, uh, BSL, uh, called BSL on the verge. And it's a lot of focus on all of the upcoming prospects that are coming through the system. I talked to him a bit about, um, you know, the changes Mike Elias had made, uh, to the organization to help bring it into this century. Um, and, uh, just kind of got his perspective on any trades he expects to happen on the big league side, who he thinks can make the team this year and who we have to wait a little longer for. Um, so that, that, that'll be coming up, uh, here shortly. And we're going to put it on this feed. And I think I'm going to put it on the Orioles feed that we're launching as well. Yeah. So uh, what, I mean, do you feel more optimistic now that you kind of have talked to him and, and maybe kind of, Maybe do you have a date in your mind, maybe that he had kind of talked about, like, do you have a specific year that you guys are looking to compete? Do you feel like that there's a <clears throat> common understanding amongst fans about which year that the organization is kind of shooting for as far as being competitive? No, we didn't really talk about a specific date. It's tough with prospects just because you never know how they're going to hit. But um, I was already pretty optimistic. Uh, I, did, I did this for Oriole fans to help get them optimistic uh, and, uh, you know, point them towards Bob's way in case if uh, they want to listen to um, On the Verge, which is a really good Oriole podcast. And what I would say with that is probably looking, I would say, 2025 would probably be peak time to be making a run. I think we'll be increasingly good up until then, but I think 2025 is probably when you're going to see most of these guys up in the bigs. Yeah, I mean, just and have experience. At, yeah. That's, that sounds about right. Like the window, it looks like looking at yours as prospects. I mean, a lot of them are double a single a there's quite a few of them in triple a, but I feel like, 
by the time we hit, like you said, 2025, all those guys should be sniffing the big leagues or in the big leagues. And that's about three year window, which, you know, then I think the Orioles maybe next year, maybe next off season or the off season after that's when you start to look into add some veteran pieces in, but um, no, I mean, it, I haven't been able to listen to the interviews, so I'm interested to kind of hear what your thoughts are and, and just kind of what you guys went over as far as um, just the Orioles in general. And I know you said that he lived pretty close to you um, in Maryland, so that's pretty yeah. wild. So. Yeah, so we'll, we'll go ahead and play that, and we'll catch you on the other side. And we are back from our break, and with me today is Bob Phelan from BSL On The Verge. How are you today, Bob? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I wanted to do this as a Oriole fan, you know, we, our show covers the whole league, but, um, you know, need something to look forward to at the light of this re at the end of this tunnel rebuild, you know, that I'm trying to look forward to. I'm just wanting to kind of get, uh, kind of your expertise on some of these, uh, prospects that are coming up and what, uh, what Michael Ice has been doing over these, um, past couple years but uh, if you want to let our listeners know where they can find the show and find you and all of your work yeah thanks uh i'm on twitter at the oriel report uh you should follow our podcast though first and foremost at bso on the verge nick does a great job managing that and tweaking out highlights of all the games once minor league season gets started and you can search for our podcast on youtube on uh any anywhere you can find podcasts bsl on the verge should be able to find it Awesome. I just want to ask you real quick too, just like, uh, you know, for our listeners too, like just what's the uh, earliest Oriole memory you have? Hmm. I'd have to say 1996. I was 11 years old and my grandmom was really into watching the Orioles. That was the first time <laughs> I really started getting into baseball. It was a great season. Playoffs, 96, 97 hooked me early. And then we had a nice 14 years of uh, <laughs> terribleness after yes. that. But I've been in Ever since then, I think Roberto Alomar uh, was my first favorite player, for sure. Oh, yeah, I loved Alomar as well. Uh, I like um, I like playing second base when I was a kid, you know. So, of course, he was up there uh, as one of my favorites. But, um, yeah, I don't even know if I have an earliest memory. Like, what I remember is probably the earliest thing I remember is uh, I was born in 91, so I was only one when Camden Yards opened, but <laughs> my grandparents or my dad or somebody had like a VHS tape of the, like they recorded the game when it was on TV. And I used to just rewatch that game like all the time and see like Albert Bell on the Indians and be like, wait, he's going to be on the Orioles at some point. You know, <laughs> like that's, you that know, actually one of reminds parts. me of an earlier memory. Uh, that's really cool though, that, that you had that, but, um, I have a foggy memory of Memorial Stadium. I think I went to a game with my dad. I must have been three or four. Like, I barely remember it. I can just remember third base side. I remember blue uniforms. It's it's very hazy. So I don't know if that counts, but. Yeah, the, uh, what I remember Memorial Stadium is like when the Ravens came to town and they did like their practices there like the first year or like something like that. My parents took me to that. But I don't, I've like, I never got to see like a game there or anything. Um. But yeah, I've always been, you know, like a diehard Orioles fan, even during those 14 losing seasons. And uh, it just made 2012 that much more special uh, <laughs> for me. And then, you know, I was, I, I think I was at game two of the Yankee series and I was at 
game two of the uh, no game one of the Tiger series in 2014. Um, so those were some great moments. But since then, you know, they haven't really been relevant. 2016 wild card. Uh, 2018 they made a last push. Dan Duquette and left the farm system in kind of a rough spot for Mike Elias to come in. Uh, I didn't know if you'd be able to share some, uh, you know, shed some light to our listeners here of what exactly Mike Elias has done to bring this organization into uh, this century. I don't know if there's a GM that has inherited a more barren wasteland than Mike Elias did when he came in in the offseason following the 2018 season. I mean, there's no international presence for the Orioles. Their farm system was barren because they went all in for those seasons, trading anyone like Josh Hader, uh, even Kyle Davies or Zach Davies, excuse me, like just pretty much Eduardo Rodriguez, pretty much anyone that had any value. If you go back and look at the top 30 Orioles prospects in like 2018, 2019, you'd be shocked how, how far they've come so quickly with Elias. He quickly established Kobe Perez as the international scouting director. And they're finally just catching up now. I think they're going to have their first international signings uh, appear in full season ball this year with Delmarva. He did a, has done a great job with the draft, even with Heston Kerstad not being able to play yet. Obviously, he inherited the number one pick, you know, kind of a no-brainer to select Adley Rutschman, but he's worked out. They've developed him enough. Uh, and, and the player development, that they, that's really, I think, the biggest thing that they have instituted is just I, I got to talk to John Rhodes and Zach Peak over the past few weeks who are minor leaguers in the Orioles system and just how everyone we've we've talked to on the podcast everyone's on the same page they have instituted you know the analytics I know it's kind of a, a buzzword but they've you know they've they've instituted ways to improve players and so far so good we'll see if it can continue up to the major league level but Really, he's turned a barren wasteland into an overflowing, uh, talent-rich club that's at least a top three farm system in the league, depending on who you ask. Yeah, I mean, uh, just like listening to your show, uh, you know, getting hyped up for some of these prospects that, like, I've never, you know, even when we had good prospects, it was just like a couple that you wait for. And then we were trying to, you know, grow the arms by the bats and that didn't really work out at all. Um, and all those players had so much more success when they, when they left our organization. Um, my co-host is a Cubs fan, so he knows all about, you know, how, what Arietta could do when he left. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it does make me uh, very excited. I went to Harford mall back when they had uh, uh, um Kowser, uh and uh, and uh, Westberg, and I got Westberg's signature. Paid the paid the forty bucks for that. Nice. <laughs> um, since we share the same first name, I felt like, uh, and he's, you know, uh, I, I have a connection there, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I remember looking back, and you know, you see all these people signing, all these other teams signing international players, and we would always look and be like, why are we not able to do this? It seems like it was something from ownership that prevented that, but thankfully, whatever it is, they've they've let Elias just have the full keys to the car here. Is that how you see it too? That he can do pretty much whatever. I do, and it's it's shocking, honestly. I I remember when 2018 after Duquette was fired, it's like, 
Okay, yeah, they're interviewing this hotshot Michael Elias uh, from Houston, who's done a great job. This would be the perfect fit, but you know they're just going to take some also Rahen veteran uh, GM that's just going to you know be able to play within the same parameters that it has always been. I'm not sure what Michael Elias said, or maybe if it was just the condition of Peter Angelos's health and, and the Suns taking more control. Maybe they had a better mindset on how to just let hire someone and let them do the job that you hired them to do, but. I, I do believe he has full control. Maybe he said, hey, I can save you some money while we're bad in this rebuild as long as you, you know, let us bump that payroll back up. Hopefully that is the case. I do believe it will be the case. But, yeah, I truly believe, you know, love it or hate it, Mike Elias is instituting his own plan 100%, and we'll see if it works out. But but it's it's definitely different from an Orioles perspective who have had ownership yeah. where, you know, they got their hands a little much too, uh, too much in the pot there. Yeah, that's one of the things that drives me nuts about the narratives on like Twitter and Reddit and stuff of the Orioles are just cheap. Um, you know, when you look back at those teams, or when they try to lump in the 2018 losses to this rebuild when it wasn't even the same GM and we were actually trying to win <laughs> yeah, exactly. in 2018. But yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, I know prospects are not always going to turn out, but, you know, it feels like a, a much needed refresh and long past the days of like the Adam Lowens and the, you know, uh, some of those that had uh, not made it back in the, back in the, that was like the McPhail era, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so let's talk about, I guess, uh, some of these top prospects. I feel like most baseball fans know about Adley Rutschman um, as he's 24 years old. Uh, he's about to, hit the big leagues. He may have not made the opening day roster anyway, but he's definitely missing it due to some forearm tightness that he has, but it seems like everything's okay. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's just a tricep injury, luckily. I mean, at first they said it was elbow, which never sounds good, but a muscle injury in the tricep makes sense. You know, you're ramping up for spring training, nothing too concerning as long as that's all it is, and he should be back relatively soon. I would have loved to known if they would have kept him mm -hmm. down or started him at opening day, you know, with the healthy spring training and all. But unfortunately, I think that just gave him the perfect excuse to keep him down for that extra year of control as long as he doesn't get in uh, first or second place in the rookie of the year voting. Yeah, I was very pessimistic. I was thinking they were going to keep him down <laughs> anyway. Um, you know, just how we, how we operate. But uh, then we have Grayson Rodriguez, who – last we checked was top of the baseball pitching prospects, but you know, they did recently come out with some more um, rankings. I think right before, like, cause I think Bobby Wood jr. Is now the top prospect. In baseball. According, to, according to MLB pipeline, it's yeah, just, pipeline. you know, there's some major, major outlets. They have slightly different lists and, and that's cool because it's a very hard thing to pr predict who, who the best is and who's yeah. going to be good. But I think pretty much Grayson is consen consensus. Number one pitching prospect. And I know he had uh, what finished the year in Double A and wasn't um, has not pitched at all in Triple A. Uh, I know I th was he one of the ones that was just optioned as well. Yeah, he was optioned a couple of days ago. Um, he did get in one appearance at Major League Spring Training. Got roughed up. I wouldn't say roughed up, but he gave up some runs. I think right. you know Trey Mancini was manning right field, missed the ball. It's not the end of the world. It's spring training, but it was cool to him to get a shot at the major league spring training at least. And yeah, I would expect him to start in AAA, but I don't think it would take much as long as he's putting up the numbers that he should to uh, get the call to the major leagues. 
And then uh, DL Hall is coming back from an injury. Uh, he looked pretty good, though, on the mound recently. Saw some highlights of that. Uh, do we think he can make it up fairly quickly as well? And is he – I feel like some people before thought he'd be a starting pitcher. Some now think more of like a reliever. Where do you kind of see him slotting in eventually? I think he has every chance to make it as a starter. I think his floor is like a dominant lefty reliever. So that's like a, you know, you got, you always want to try your best to have a pitcher make it as a starter. That's more valuable. But, you know, if worst case happens where, you know, the stamina is not there, what have you, he's either going to be Blake Snell type starter or a Josh Hader type reliever. Maybe not quite as good as those guys. That's pretty lofty. But, man, did he look good. His stuff is Every bit is good, if not better, than Grayson Rodriguez, just some pure stuff. With him, it's all about control. I mean, he looked amazing in his little one-inning stint there yesterday against the Phillies, hitting 100 miles per hour, striking out a couple guys, getting lots of swings and misses. So, yeah, it's all about health and if he can maintain the workload of a starter. But I think he has every chance in the world to do so. All right, and then we had uh, Colton Kowser is ranked fourth on fan graphs for the Orioles. He was also at Hartford Mall when I was there. I did not get his signature. I think it was like another $35 more. It was like $70-some. Um, but I did get I did get to talk to him a bit. He started walking around the little uh, card shop that they had there. But, um, you know, center field prospect, he's only about to turn 22. They have him projected for 2024. Um but just how, how excited should Oriole fans be for Colton Kowser in the next couple of years? Very. Um, unfortunately, it's going to be the answer for a lot of these guys, just because, I mean, this is a stack system. He's he's one of these another one of these high-floor guys. Like, he can hit. He's got great plate discipline. He can play center field. Might be able to stick out there. You know, might eventually have to move to a corner. But he can do it all. He's like a, a five-tool guy, I kind of put a comparison as like Nick Markakis that can play center field is maybe his ceiling. But, you know, it's all about how much power he's going to have, you know, whether he can break that glass ceiling or whatever you want to say. So I think you should be excited. He should move quickly. I actually think he'll be in the majors in 2023 as long as, you know, he oh. continues to perform. So uh, I think you should definitely be excited. Him, Mullins, there's just so many outfield prospects. Kyle Stowers getting a look in spring training. Yeah, he's going to be a solid player, I think, no matter what. I would lock him in, at least as a uh, major league player at some point. And Kobe Mayo's just kind of risen tremendously uh, since he was just drafted, uh, <laughs> coming right up into um, number six ranked on fan graphs, and he's only had single-A exposure. He's only 20 years old. Uh, and people nationally now just starting to really take notice of Kobe Mayo. Yeah, he's starting to make up for the lack of Kerstad so far out of that 2020 draft. He was a high school overslot signing, so they paid him more than you know that slot would have indicated he was worth. But yeah, he came out firing on all cylinders last year at the Florida Coast League and got moved up to low A Delmarva almost as like a, okay, let's see if you can keep this up. And he might have hit even better there. So looks like he's going to start the year at 20 years old in high A Aberdeen, which is a pretty pretty impressive and if he just continues to hit the way he has i could see him easily being a top 25 type prospect overall in the major leagues obviously he's got to perform to do it but he has yeah. that chance and aberdeen's like 10 minutes down the road from me so i definitely want to make it out to one of those games before 
he gets uh, promoted. Um, and then just to kind of speed things up here for some of these uh, real quick, Westberg and Henderson were originally both listed as shorts as them as third and second, but uh, where do you see them kind of slotting in? Because we have a lot of options for uh, some of these infield positions uh, for some of these shortstop prospects to go into. I think Westbrook has a better chance to stick at shortstop. I think his glove is a little bit better. Henderson's arm's a little bit better, so there might be a better profile at third base. I'd say Westbrook has a higher floor. Henderson has a higher ceiling, but you know they should also be major league ready around 2023. Westbrook has a chance to get a a small cup of coffee at the end of this year if he performs in AAA. Yeah, they had Westbrook playing at third a bit in one of the preseason games I was able to watch, and uh, he had some nice defense over there as well. Yeah, he should be capable to play second, third, shortstop. He's not going to be like a gold glove caliber, but he's definitely solid enough to get the job done. And I know uh, over on your show, everyone's very excited about Kyle Bradish. Uh, so uh, wh- what do we think we can expect from Kyle Bradish? It looks like he should be up uh, later this year as well. Yeah, if they just optioned him back. I, I thought he might have a chance at that fifth yeah. starter role, but I think I think it actually indicates how high they are on him because, again, either you don't manipulate service time with guys unless it's like one of your top, top guys that you're super high on. And I kind of think they're doing the same thing with him where they'll wait three, four weeks and then bring him up for the rotation. But he's kind of like uh, he throws mid-90s. He touched 97 a few times. Uh, he's got a killer – curveball a great slider he's he's just he looks like reminds me of zach Grinky out there on the mound just looking at him but he's a fun guy to watch he might be more of a five and dive guy where you get five he he tends to have a higher pitch count he walks some guys but his stuff is so good that he doesn't give up many runs over those five six innings so he might not be a guy that goes six seven innings every time out but he should be pretty useful and even again like a guy like michael bauman where if he doesn't make it as a starter, his stuff is good enough to be closer-esque if he needs to transition to the bullpen. All right. And uh, I guess if you would be able to name somebody that we did not name here that you think uh, Oriole fans should really keep an eye out for, or maybe just Major League Baseball fans should keep an eye out for. (laughs) I got to shout out one of my favorite guys in the system, Gene Pinto. He's a right-handed pitcher who pitched in FCL in Delmarva last year, should start out this year in Aberdeen High A. Uh, he is a guy that the Orioles traded Jose Iglesias for. Um, they got Garrett Stallings, another right-handed pitcher, and Gene Pinto, international guy. Again, he's young, 20, 21 years old. And it looked like he was a throw-in in that trade, but then last year came and he was dominant. He's got a great fastball that can hit mid-90s, tunnels the ball really well with a great changeup and slider. So... I think he could be a guy that moves fast at a young age. And I, a lot of guys think he's short, so he, he has that reliever risk. But I think the stuff is good enough to that he could be a guy that's fighting for the uh, Orioles rotation in a year or two. I'm kind of surprised you didn't say Yusniel Diaz. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's having a, a resurgent spring, but we've seen that before. Let's see if he yes, can stay healthy yeah. <laughs> for, for a month or two in the, in the regular season. And then for Kerstad, like you mentioned, is it pretty much just uh, he he's fallen down to number ten, uh, right? Or was he go up actually uh, this year? But nine or ten, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of hanging around the same spot without playing a game yet. Is is anything that the Orioles get from him just bonus after some of these issues he's been having? I I think a lot of the criticism that the fans have given him is a little bit unfair. I mean, mm-hmm. the myocarditis 
myocarditis, excuse me, um, heart issue, uh, right. seems like a secondary issue from COVID. I mean, that's, that's so just bad luck on his part. And then I think this hamstring injury, yeah, it sucks. It definitely is unfortunate, but I think that's just a product of trying to, he probably rushed back a little bit, went a little mm. bit too hard, trying to get back into action. So he's still based on, uh, Eric Garfield, who is always down in Sarasota getting videos of these guys. looks like he's in good shape and he was performing well in practice and and he still has that ability that they drafted him number two overall with but yeah i mm-hmm. i just hope he gets at least half a season in this year and then can try to make up some ground but you got carter baumler and kobe mayo out of that draft jordan westberg hudson yep. haskins anthony Servidio. so it's still going to be a great draft no matter what so I, I guess you could say that everything's bonus but he's not like a guy that hasn't performed he just hasn't even got the chance to do so right um Okay, but well, before I let you go, just uh, any sort of do you think that would have to happen this year to be able to make room for some of these like outfielders? Uh, or you know, I know there's been rumors, or you know, it's from Dan Connolly about Trey Mancini being traded, and uh, you know, I know that that would be emotional for Orioles fans, but looking at the numbers, maybe not as much of a loss as people would think, but. Um, if you were in charge right now, who, who are you moving and uh, to make room for some of these guys? I love Trey. I mean, I would not be upset if they extended him, if they just let him ride this year out and then let him go. Like, obviously, great story, great guy, really good player. But he is 30 years old, approaching 31. He's a first base at best DH type. And we have guys that are going to need playing time. You got a bunch of these outfielders that even if you only have three outfield spots, you can use that DH position. You can move Adley there when he's not catching. So I, I hate to say, but I think I would trade him. And if you can't get anything that's worthwhile, just let him hang around for this year. Let him play out the season. Maybe you try to trade him again at the deadline. But I, I, I know everyone, uh, everyone disagrees on this one, but I do think I would trade him. And I would try to trade Anthony Santander as long as he gets off to a good start. I think he's just who he is at this point. He's a guy that has a lot of power. He's not going to walk. He's going to be about around a league average right fielder, which is not bad, but it could probably be more useful to a team that's in contention that has a little bit weaker spot in the outfield than the Orioles who have guys coming up at a rapid rate. So I think those two guys will probably be traded at some point this year to make room. Yeah. Especially like Santander was like a a rule five pick, right? So that that's pretty good what we've been able to get from him. And I was amazed when I was there. I went to go see the Shohei Otani games at the at the park, and just walking along the um, the you know uh, Utah Street where they have the markings, and how many of those were actually from him uh, that weren't even like that were, that were from that year that they hadn't had a chance to put a plaque in. And then he also had some plaques out there, and I was like, geez, I didn't realize he hit so many Utah Street home runs as well. Yeah, when he gets a hold of one, it's a bomb. All right. So I, I assume you think that the Orioles finish fifth, right, in, in the East. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair to assume. I do think they'll be a little more competitive than, than maybe a lot of baseball fans think, but I could see us winning between 65 and 70 games. And who knows if Adley, Grayson, DL, if these guys come up and perform right away, you can't always expect that, not by any means. Just look at Jared Kelnick last year. Yeah. Um, but if they do, maybe they win 70 to 73 games. I can't see much more than that. But it's just setting up for next year, and hopefully, you know, Correa opts out of his contract with yeah. the Twins. <laughs> we grab him, or no, I don't know. Maybe make some trades, make some signings, and, and start to turn this thing around. 
heading into 2023. Yeah, the Crea news was exciting. And then the Masson article came out about the, the not paying for people to go on road trips. And I'm not so sure I believed it anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, it was fun to kind of live you know, live by for a bit. I remember when Prince Fielder was a free agent, I, everybody kept trying to get him here or even like the Teixeira stuff, but um, just want to thank you for coming on here. Did you want to plug where people can find the show again? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find it on any podcast app or YouTube, BSL on the verge. Um, fun show. We talk about minor leagues if you're into that. And uh, definitely if you're an Orioles fan, follow our Twitter account at BSL on the verge, plenty of clips, highlights, recaps, Good stuff over there. So appreciate you having me on. Hey, we're back from our interview. Jordan, what a great interview, man. Like you you really have, I guess, fine-tuned your skills going through all of these interviews that we have done, um, not on this show, but on another show. People are going to be like, they, have, they don't have another show. They're lying. Um, no, we really do. It's a soccer <laughs> show. We've interviewed tons of people. But Jordan, can I just say that you just sound so good. You know your stuff when you're talking about the Orioles. Um, but no, I really enjoyed that interview. And, and I hope fans did too. I think that that's interesting. And Jordan, I think you've got a lot of competition amongst the, the Oriole faithful as far as launching your own little segment of the Oriole podcast. So, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. Nice job, Jordan. Thank you. Yeah. It means so much that you right. say that. Uh, I listened to it at least four or five times by now. Already. So. Jeez. Right. I'm glad it was that good for you. Um, <laughs> The uh, you, you can follow this show on Facebook uh, at Extra Innings Baseball Show with no E in extra. You can follow us on Twitter at Extra Innings Show uh, with no E in extra. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Extra Innings Baseball Show. Again, with no E in extra. Even though our show has an E in extra, it's just easier to locate on those platforms without it. And then, like you said, uh, and like I alluded to earlier, this will be up on our uh, Orioles feed as well, which is uh, launching. I'm not really sure what I'm doing with it yet, but it's called uh, Word from the Warehouse. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Warehouse Word. And uh, actually, Bob already retweeted our, our my photo, my, uh, my photo for it. And uh mm-hmm. Told everybody to go follow us. So we're getting some followers over there. And I'm going to put this episode on uh, both of these feeds. That way we can try to get everyone on uh, who's even not an Oriole fan interested in listening to my interview with Bob. So just want to thank him for coming on and uh, spending some time with us to talk about uh, Orioles prospects. Yeah, You even got me to listen to on the verge over there. Uh their podcast so it was, it was good i listened to um the one that they did previewing the season kind of looking at the different prospects that are coming up ones they thought maybe were maybe we're going to make an impact this year maybe an impact later on down the road um adley rutschman obviously i think on top of everybody's mind um just because i think he's first up it's kind of it kind of does have that feel like back when i was watching the cubs kind of come up like this like the orioles are currently doing it has that like Here's the first arrival, and it just keeps getting more fun from here. So I'm really happy for happy for you, happy for the Orioles, happy for that fan base because it is it's a lot of fun just watching these young kids take center stage um, in the big show. So 
Um, but yeah, thanks for listening to the interview. Thanks for Bob for having or for Bob coming on um, to the Extra Inning Baseball Show. Jordan, I think we forget to realize um, or tell people that the reason why it's the Extra Inning Baseball Show and we always spell it with the X is because we don't make any E's on this show. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of a fun thing we do here. But uh, yeah, anything else before we send it out? No, just go ahead and follow us on those platforms and get ready for what is dropping next, which is the NL Central, AL Central preview. All right, we will see you guys next time. The Extra Innings Baseball Show is hosted by Logan Stump, edited and produced by Jordan Wiegand, And we hope that everybody enjoys us talking some baseball in this MLB 2022 season that is upcoming. Thank you.